it is my very firm belief that everybody has some sort of superpower. But on a very minor scale, like a day-to-day tiny skill or asset that you might not even notice, but it's something that you have that just comes way easier or you do way better than anybody else. I don't mean like you're good at math. Like it has to be something stupid and very specific and only relevant in one scenario. And I think I know what mine is. I am a Disney princess, but for trash on the street. Let me explain. You know how Disney princesses are like followed around by birds and and cute little woodland creatures like squirrels? Like they'll just put out their hands and, you know, a bird will appear and flock to them. And it's like, that doesn't happen to anyone else unless you're a Disney princess and you give out that energy. I don't attract birds or cute animals I attract other people's trash, aka things from the street that I put in my home. I'm sure we're all familiar with the concept of like finding some furniture or some things um, that people leave out on the street and, you know, bringing that in and um, taking that in from the curb and then making that be a part of your home. But the amount of luck I have finding things on the street is truly uncanny. I'm not finding them. At this point, they're finding me because it's not even intentional. Um, And the things I found are crazy from like really nice coffee table, chairs, more obscure things like art pieces and potted plants. Actually, even one time I had broken a picture frame of mine and the next week I found a picture frame. I don't even think that it's that I have a knack for it. I think that this is my gift from the universe that I have been bestowed with. It's that I find the good stuff on the street, and the good stuff on the street finds me. We're destined for each other. I actually think that everybody has a tiny little day-to-day superpower that is just for them. I have to be honest, I'm not original here. I actually got this idea from a book I read It was like mostly a normal world, but all the characters had a fairy. Everybody in this world had a fairy that um, would grant them with some sort of very mundane gift. And the main character was super annoyed because her gift was that she could always find really convenient, good parking to whatever event or place she was going to. And she hated it because... People were always trying to take her with them to things because they wanted to get a good parking spot, which is so funny because we think of that sort of concept like, oh, do they actually like me or are they just using me for my money or my fame or whatever? Um, Not that I've experienced that feeling, but you know, that's a thing that could happen. But (laughs) it's like, okay, do you really want a friend with rich parents or do you want a friend who always gets a parking spot right in front of the venue and you never get a ticket? Because that's actually one of the most helpful things I can ever think of. I think that's kind of great, actually, to think about that, like, the things that would actually make you the most popular are kind of these little conveniences instead of these lavish things, just, like, little things that make your life easier. Um, As far as ordinary superpowers go, I actually do quite like mine, Um, and I'm a big fan of getting things secondhand in general, and I think it's very fun to be able to kind of like curate things and at this point it's become really exciting for me because I find the most ridiculously cool things like the day I found potted plants like a giant tropical tree and like a snake plant was so exciting for me another in my home but I do think there are even better ones and if if I could pick which obviously I know the point is that you can't pick 
But if I could pick, I was thinking about it, and I think I would go for, I don't know if this is too big of a superpower, but I would love to just be able to focus whenever I want to focus. I don't know if you guys ever have a thing where like you're in a mood and you're like, I really want to get a bunch of work done, but then your your brain is just not cooperating and you, you can't get there. Um, and I think that like being able to get into like a good workflow every time I try to would be so massive. I also think eliminating wait times for public transit or like, I don't know, things always like being on time for me would be huge. But again, that's kind of a big ask from the universe. Uh, if anyone else thinks they know what their ordinary superpower is, please write in and let me know. Because I swear, I swear we all have them. We're just not paying enough attention. This is Camellia. Please pick up the phone. For some reason, the modern day cultural consensus is that vampires are sexy, right? Like, it's a known thing. Vampires are just like, the sexy creature of all the, I guess, supernatural creatures. And werewolves. Werewolves are also sexy. But vampires especially so. Every time there's a love triangle, a la Twilight, between a vampire and a werewolf and a human, the vampire always wins. Which feels speciesist, you know, if anything. It's like a little propaganda. But I would like to push back on the fact that vampires are super sexy hot creatures who can pull whenever they want because i was thinking about it and the way that we know that vampires are sexy is that they have those like stupid vampire sex dating montages where in every tv show or movie about vampires they'll basically like play clips of the vampire throughout you know all of these different times of civilization and it'll be the vampire like looking super hot on each of them you know with like a woman draped over them or whatever like just getting it on with somebody. I understand what they're going for there, but if you actually think about it, you know, let's say, listen, they're not even hitting any every era. You know, they're hitting a few eras throughout like modern day society. But let's say they're even they're even showing a vampire once a decade. Um, if you have sex once a decade, you're not really killing the game there. I hate to break it to you. And it's like, sure, maybe vampires have had a lot of sex overall, but if you have sex like once per like major cultural era that's not actually cool of you that's like definitely less than average and they actually don't even show every era either so it must be less often than that i mean we basically just see like a vampire in like a powdered wig and then them in like the 20s you know living it up and then i don't know maybe we'll see them at a disco in the 70s and then like modern day or something and it's like there was a bunch of time in the middle there what were you doing huh not getting laid, okay? Just like the rest of us. You spent 20 years trying to get a girlfriend. I also do think the choice of decades to show is weird in vampire shows. Um, and I'm not an expert on vampire media, but I have seen Twilight and I recently rewatched Vampire Diaries and they both mention the Civil War. Like, very specifically. Both shows reference, like, vampires being alive during the Civil War era. And it's like, Yes, obviously that was a part of history. Obviously, if we were saying that the vampires are like, you know, date back to the early 1800s or like however far back they go, then they lived through the Civil War. But I think that teen shows about hot supernatural creatures trying to get with high school girls don't really need to address the Civil War. 
I think that this is the one type of show that people would not be like, hey, we know what time period it was that these people lived through and you need to address it. I think this is the one show that actually really specifically does not need a narrative about the Civil War, especially because they don't talk about it at all. They'll just be like, oopsies, here's them in a Civil War uniform. And you're like, wait, 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 can you go back? What What color was the uniform? Um, it's an oddly specific choice. Like, just pick another war. Like, pick World War One. pick World War Two. pick, like, a war where maybe, like, our whole country was on the same side. Not only do vampire shows pick the wrong periods of history, but they also pick the wrong creatures. I don't understand why vampires and werewolves are the only creatures that are featured in any sort of teen drama show, and why they have to be sexy as well. If you're going to go for that, there are so many other creatures you could pick. I think that H2O showed that mermaids are great characters, but... It shows like a fun light show and not like an edgy, cool, sexy teen show. And I think that mermaids are a perfect fit for that kind of show. Think about trying to go to a pool party when you're a mermaid. It's perfect. But I also kind of would like to see creatures that don't actually seem like they're so cool off the bat. Like, I would like to see a banshee, which is a woman that can predict deaths and she like mopes around and like screams and wails when bad things are gonna happen that's hysterical that would be such a good main character for a teen show and like imagine the main character's parents being like oh she's so moody lately but she's really like no evil is coming and they're like oh my god kara shut up like relax kids these days I would also love to see like a centaur you know a kid going through puberty and then having to like disguise the fact that like sometimes they just become half horrors and people keep being like why do we hear like galloping around the neighborhood at night this is so weird we live in a city and like them having to explain that teen shows are perfect for these sorts of things because teen shows are nuts they do they, like they can do anything they want they have every single sort of drama and conflict and issue going on all at the same time um but still nobody cares about people like constantly dying or being in danger because they care about <laughs> the like romance and the love interests you could fully just have characters be like a ghoul and just like do insane shit and nobody would bat an eye but they don't just vampires and werewolves and to be honest i'm bored like oh you're hairy yeah me too congrats you're not special werewolves We're going to take a quick break to introduce this episode's sponsor, Burn Your Tongue. You may have heard of their sister brand, Paper Cuts, but I'm here to tell you that Burn Your Tongue is the hottest style for the winter season. Burn Your Tongue is more than just a label. It's a lifestyle. It says, dare to be brave. Dare to be bold. Dare to take a sip of that cider or hot chocolate without checking if it's cooled off. As you listeners know, I would never recommend a brand that I don't love myself, so I am here to tell you that I'm actually rocking a Burn Your Tongue original right now. I tried it with my morning tea days ago, and let me tell you, I loved it so much that I'm still wearing it. So thanks, Burn Your Tongue, for supporting this podcast. Burn Your Tongue, for the brave of spirit and of mouth. I was at the airport recently, and by the time I showed up, I found out that my flight was delayed by three hours. 
and was potentially going to be delayed by more. So I figured I'm already at the airport, might as well give it my best shot and see if I can get on an earlier flight. So I went to, you know, the help desk for the airline that I was flying with. I walked up and I was like, hey there, um, how are you doing? I just got the message that my flight was really delayed, but unfortunately I didn't see this until I was already here at the airport. So I figured I would just come ask you, is there any room on any of these earlier flights? And is there any way that I would be able to just like be transferred to something earlier? And this woman no hesitation at all. Basically, it was like, go fuck yourself. Like, that's not what she literally said. What she literally said was like, no, everybody needs to get there, blah, 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 blah. The flights aren't leaving. Like, there's no room. Okay, everybody needs to get there. Like, you're going to go when you go. Which is like the professional equivalent of go fuck yourself. And in that moment, I said it so kindly and friendly and still got that response. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should have not been ruder, but like just stood my ground a little more. Just made my case a little stronger than what I did. And the thing is like, I don't have that talent. I do really well when it's like, you're really nice to somebody and then they're like willing to go the extra mile for you. Like I do well in that arena. In the like, you gotta, you know, fight for yourself and argue your case to get what you want. There are just situations in life where you need to be a little bit of a brat to get the thing that is best for you or the people you care about. And I'm not saying to do that at the expense of other people, but there are just times when it's like, you need to up the ante a little bit. And I don't have that. I don't have what we may call the Karen gene in me. And I'm not here to defend Karens, but I am saying that the one thing Karens do really well is raising a fuss and standing their ground. Now, do I think they choose all of the wrong moments to do it? Yes, absolutely. But I think that there are times in life when we all need to pull out that little bit of Karen when somebody's really trying to fuck you over or somebody's trying to put you in a bad situation or you've been put through something that's really not okay and you need to be like, no, this is what I need and I need you to do it for me. But yeah, I've realized that this is not a skill that I have well at all, and it's something that I'd like to be better at. I don't think that I'm too much of a people pleaser to be a Karen. I I think it's that I've been on the other side of it, and I'm so afraid to get mad at the wrong person, because most of the time when something goes wrong for you in like a shopping, eating, customer service sort of experience... The person that you're talking to is not the person who messed it up. Like, say you order something and it comes and it's really messed up. There's no need to be screaming at somebody on the phone for that because, like, it's not their fault. They didn't make your shoes two left ones or whatever. So there's no sense in screaming at them because they didn't make that happen for you. When I was a waitress, I had a lot of people scream at me all the time when they didn't like their food. And it was like... Well, like, I didn't make it, and I also don't control how fast they cook it for you and when it comes out. Like, I don't do any of those things. Um, I would even have people go through this, like, severe state of delusion where they would ask for one thing, I would bring it, and then they would scream at me because they actually wanted something else. One time I had a woman who ordered a um, tuna salad sandwich, and I brought it to her, 
And she waved me over a few minutes later and she was like, the sandwich is horrible. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Something, you know, let me know what's wrong with it. I'll have them bring you out a new one immediately. And she was like, no, 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 I don't like tuna. And I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) You ordered a tuna salad sandwich, tuna being the primary ingredient in a tuna salad sandwich. And you don't like tuna. I didn't say that to her, obviously. I was like, ah, right, of course, a tuna salad sandwich, the thing you would order for a tuna hater. And she was like, oh, I just saw someone else eating it and I thought it looked so good that maybe I would like tuna now, but I don't. And it's like, fair, but not my fault and not the restaurant's fault. And she so confidently was like, you should not charge me for this and you should bring me something else. You kind of just end up doing that when you're in the restaurant industry because it's just like not worth it to fight back and people can kind of make your life hell. So moral of that story is I've absolutely had people scream at me and make me want to cry for just treating me so badly for something that they're way too worked up about. And so I think that I'm just so afraid to make anybody feel that bad that even if a huge disservice was done to me, I think I would still just be way too nice about it. One time my friends and I were out to eat at kind of a nicer restaurant. We hadn't seen each other in a while. We were going out to celebrate. And so we go to this nice restaurant and um, it was in the dead of winter, but while the pandemic was at higher rates, so we were eating outside. Um, And we were next to one of those heaters and I'm sure I'll tell the full story of this someday when I have one of the girls on, so I won't spoil it too much. But long story short, the heater malfunctioned and like a giant pillar of flame (laughs) erupted next to our table. Um, fortunately, nothing happened. We were all completely fine, and the restaurant was obviously very accommodating. We were so fucking nice about it. Some of my friends were, like, doing the right thing, and they were like, hey, like, obviously we're not gonna bitch about this. We know this wasn't your fault. But also, this was kind of a big deal. Y'all should probably, like, comp us or, like, treat us accordingly. And I was just like, well, nothing happened. Like, no, I don't want you to worry. Like, I don't want you to be stressed. It's okay. It's really okay. I'm totally fine. I mean, honestly, like... I would have loved to be lit on fire. Like, I was feeling cold anyway. Like, it would be an honor and a privilege to be lit on fire at your fine established restaurant. And that's not the appropriate response to to something that was not a false alarm. Like, we actually were, like, within a foot of this fire and very much could have been really hurt. And I was just like, no, 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 don't even worry about little old me, it's fine. And it's in those moments that I'm like, I don't want to be a Karen from a video like just screaming at someone going absolutely bonkers and trying to involve the authorities and everything but i i would like to be able to pull out a little more standing up for myself and just like a little bit of an edge of crazy for if people aren't taking me seriously you just gotta be able to pull out that extra you just gotta go like five percent karen and be like no 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 this is what i deserve and I should not have to put up with whatever. And I'm not going to stop being my 5% Karen until I get it. And I think that that's a happy medium that the world would run well on. I think that some of it also relates to the way that I feel like my generation of girls and women were raised. Which is that it can be a very bad look if you stand up for yourself in a way that is potentially seen as aggressive or assertive or commanding. 
we're taught a lot of subliminal messages about how the way to get what you want is to take this really soft, roundabout approach instead of just addressing something head-on and stating how you feel and being willing to put a little strength behind your message. Which also absolutely has its time and place. Not everything needs to be solved with really just saying how you feel and going for it. But some things definitely can be. And I, I think one of the biggest for me, demonstrators of the way this affects my life is when I would have to write emails for school or work and I would show them to my dad. My dad is a really good writer. I would always want his input on how to phrase things. And he would always rewrite what I wrote to basically take a much harder stance. And he would give this thing back to me and I would be like, dad, I can't say that. I can't just state how I feel and expect that somebody will just take it at face value and be like, ah, yes, thanks for giving me your input. If I say how I feel, guaranteed someone's going to be like, yeah, that Camellia, like, mm, she's a nice girl, but a little, you know, you know, she's just like a little. And then forever, I'm going to be the girl who's like, you know, she's kind of, you kind of, and I'll never be able to get past that. Um, When I write an email in any professional capacity, it goes something like this. Hi there, so-and-so. I hope this Monday finds you well. My name is Camelia, and I'm the blah-blah-blah with blah-blah-blah, and I'm contacting you because blah-blah-blah told me I should blah-blah-blah you about blah-blah-blah. This is my situation, um, and... If you happen to have the knowledge that relates to this, and if you could help me out with this thing, I would be so eternally grateful. I would name my firstborn child after you. And if I'm just a little stupid idiot, and you're not the right person to contact about this, then please let me know that I should just go jump into a volcano. Um, now please feel free to let me know if I've explained any of this poorly, and if you have any questions, and I will say it all again for you. Again, have a blessed, beautiful, wonderful, sunny afternoon. All the best, Camellia. That's basically how every email I sound goes. And then my dad will look at it and be like, what is this? And then rewrite it and be like, hi there, I'm so-and-so, I need this thing from you um, because I need to do this thing for this deadline, and I was told that you're the person who does this, so I need you to do this. And I just so sincerely wish that I could send that type of email without any sort of anxiety. I feel like I would feel so much power in the world. But anytime, anytime I send any message, I am so absolutely concerned with my tone. I'm always adding an exclamation mark. I'm always like, Oh my god, and how are the kids? How is little Billy still doing well? And it's like, it is obviously nice to foster community when you're talking to people. Like, it's nice to be friendly and not treat people like they're only worth something to you if they can help you out with their job. So it's nice to ask people how their day is and how their family is, but you don't need to do that in order to ask someone something that's a fair and appropriate question for your situation. It sucks. And that's where I feel like I could use being a little more Karen. Um, And I'm also super aware of this because, and I'm sorry that I am putting this out to the world, but 
It has to be told. Um, my mom has what I like to call, I'd like to speak to the manager voice. She has the opposite of my problem in that she's always saying things that are so kind and genuine and, like, always meant to be nice to people, but she kind of has Karen tone. And so people always think she's about to complain. A waiter will come by and be like, well, how was the food? And she'll be like, um, she'll be like, everything was great. The burger was great, but, and they're like, but, but, what did we do wrong? Like, do you need us to get the manager? And she's like, I was going to say, but the mashed potatoes were extra delicious. (laughs) I feel so bad for her because people are always like stressed that she's going to be upset. And I can't even explain what it is that makes her voice sound like this, except that it just is. It just is the truth. You've reached the voicemail of Camelia. Please hang up and dial again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pick Up the Phone. Our show would not be possible without the support of our amazing team. Our executive producer is Camelia Pastor. Our audio editor is Camelia Pastor. Our graphic designer is Camelia Pastor. Our marketing team, Camelia and Pastor. Sales and analytics, Camelia Pastor. And of course, this season's intern is Camelia Pastor.